Amen. Okay. Well, let's take our Bibles this evening, and we're going back to the book of Galatians, studying through this book of the Bible together, and Galatians chapter 5. And as you're finding your place there, I'm just curious, just curious, I guess my, uh, as, as Seth gave a little bit of a testimony quickly, kind of piqued my curiosity. I wonder if anybody else would like to give a testimony quickly this evening of maybe something God's helped you with this week or uh, something special uh, that God's done for you. Anybody like to give a testimony this evening? No? Okay, no problem. But maybe you'll think about it and we'll do it later during prayer time, all right? All right, Galatians chapter 5 is where we'll be. And again, as we're coming to this portion of Scripture, we've been considering uh, hindrances to the race and lately, really, how to combat those. But we found this phrase in chapter 5 and verse number, verse number 7 where it says, uh, Paul writing, of course, to the Galatian believers where he says, You did run well. But who did hinder you? Meaning something was hindering these individuals, these, these believers, these churches at Galatia. Uh, they were being hindered in their race. And as we considered that, there were four, at least four that we saw in the context of Scripture. We know there's many more hindrances to the race. But at least four we considered that were hindering the Galatian believers in the context of Galatians 5. And that was their disobedience to the truth. And by the way, that will hinder any believer if we do not obey the Scripture. If we're here is only, listen, that'll hinder our race moving forward with Jesus, all right? But they were being disobedient to the truth. Uh, the false doctrine the Judaizers were bringing was being a hindrance. The division that was potential, uh, potentially taking place in the church of Galatia, again, because of the Judaizers and their false teaching. Uh, and then because of that as well, they were devouring one another. But all of these uh, things were hindering the race of these Galatian believers at this moment. It would seem that uh, as you look at the book of Galatians as a whole, all of this was going on. But Paul didn't want to leave them to fend for themselves. Paul did not want to leave them and say, all right, I know y'all struggling with this, but figure it out on your own, okay? I'm thankful that God doesn't do that. I'm thankful that God used Paul to give great instruction to the church. And uh, no doubt he was doing that here in Galatians and for the Galatians as well. Because as you go on in the next several verses after, after he says, who did hinder you? It seems he begins to give some, some things we can use to combat those hindrances in, uh, in our race. He gives us some ammunition. He gives us some principles we can use and follow to help combat the hindrances that we face in our life. And of course, the first one we looked at was this one, serve one another. And I guarantee you that will combat any division or any devouring that could potentially take place in someone's life. Because if you serve somebody, if you're busy serving one another, you won't have time to devour one another, all right? So this is a great tool to put in our pocket, a great, uh, a great principle to take to apply to our life if we don't want the hindrance of division and devouring to hinder our race, serve one another, willingly and lovingly. And then this is the main one we've been looking at for some time now, a few weeks at least, a few Wednesdays. It's this one. Walk in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit, that will be the greatest tool we can have to combat the hindrances that we face in our race if we walk in the Spirit. And remember, this is not a suggestion. Rather, it is a command given, given by the Lord through the pen of Paul. This is a command, not a suggestion. We are to live as believers 
in the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, being led of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God and through prayer. We must walk in the Spirit. And then as we walk in the Spirit, we do find this. We find not only is a command, but there is also a conflict. We know this. We want to walk in the Spirit. I would, I would dare say and believe that every genuine believer wants to please God with their life. And they want to do what's right. And they want to walk in the Spirit every day. They want that. But they find sometimes we, I, maybe you don't find it hard, but I find it very hard sometimes to do just that. You know, when I preached on anger this past Sunday, I knew, I knew I was going to face it this week. <laughs> so the devil likes that, you know. He loves to throw stuff in your path. You preached on that, well, you're going to have to put your money where your mouth is type of thing. And I knew he was going to do that. But uh, I don't know where I was going with that point. I have no idea now. I just kind of went through one, one side of my brain to the other, and it's gone. So anyway, we're going to move on. Oh, here it is, the conflict. All right. You want to do what's right, but sometimes you find it very difficult. I understand that. I understand that. Because there is a conflict between the flesh that we were born with and the Holy Spirit we were born by. Listen, there's always a conflict in every life of every believer. Even the Apostle Paul himself struggled with that very thing. He struggled with that conflict. But be reminded in a conflict, the one that will win is the one you will feed. That's the one that will win. If we're constantly or consistently feeding our flesh and giving in to the fleshly desires, the lustful desires, fleshly desires of our flesh, listen, we will feed that side of the conflict and that will win out. But if we feed our spirit, read our Bibles, if we're in God's, in, in God, in, uh, going to God in prayer and study and reading the Word of God around the fellowship of believers, then we'll be feeding our spirit. And that's what he'll be doing if you want that to win in the conflict. Again, walk in the Spirit. It is a command. Yes, there's a conflict, but continue doing it. Move on. Keep going. Let's walk in the Spirit. And then we begin to take note of this, the crop of it. And there's two, two uh, clusters of fruit here, two clusters of the crop, if I can put, use that analogy. And the first one we saw was that of the flesh. And this cluster is horrid. It stinks, it's disgusting, and it's very destructive. For anyone to walk in the flesh and to see these very fruit or the works of the flesh that we find in verses 19 through 21, that type of fruit from your life is going to be very, very disgusting and destructive. But listen, if we walk in the flesh, that's what it's going to produce. That's what's going to manifest in our life if we do just, just that. But there's another fruit. The good fruit, that desirable fruit that should be in every believer's life, and it's this one, the fruit of the Spirit. So this is the other part of the crop we've been really getting at. And we started looking at that last Wednesday. And we only saw the first two elements of this cluster of fruit here, all right? So let's look at it again this evening. And we'll start in verse number 22, and we'll read down through verse, uh, let's just read down through verse 26. All right, so verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying, envying one another. So the first two that we came across uh, last Wednesday was this one. The first one was love. 
And just by, by remembrance quickly, remember, this one is listed first for a reason because all of the other elements of the fruit of the Spirit are an outgrowth uh, from this element of the fruit of love. Everything else flows from the deep, rich, fertile ground of love. But be reminded, this love is not what the world would portray. No, this is a better love than that. Because the love that the Spirit produces is a true love portrayed by the Lord Jesus, even Himself. Because remember, this is an agape love. It's a holy love, sacrificial love, godly love, selfless love. This is a one-way love, expecting nothing in return. It's the highest love, form of love anyone could ever give or receive. And it's God's love for you and for me. And that's the, it's that type of love that will be produced and seen in the life of a believer if they're walking in the Spirit. And then we saw joy. And remember, joy is not the exact same thing or exact same level as happiness. They're not, they're not exclusively different, but they're not entirely the same. You see, happy, happiness is based off, off of happenings. It's based off the circumstances of life that surround us. Such as, so you said when I asked you earlier that you had, had a pretty good week so far. So most of you should be pretty happy. Had a good day at work, should be pretty happy. You have a, have a good day at, the, at home or a good week at home and you're getting along with your spouse and, and your kids and all that. Well, you should be pretty happy, right? Well, that's because it's based on happenings, but joy is a little different. You see, joy has a different foundation. Happiness is foundation on circumstances. Joy has a, has a foundation on this, on Christ. And since Christ never changes, we can always have, as believers, we can always have joy, even in the midst of of horrendous times of life, we can still have joy as we're walking in the Spirit. Because why? It's fruit. It's fruit of, of the Spirit. It's fruit of a life that's living and walking in the Spirit. So walk in the Spirit. So we saw love. We saw joy. And today I want to see this one. The third one in the list is peace. Now, this is something I believe that if every human being was honest they would truly desire peace. They want peace in their mind, peace in their heart. I mean, what do the, 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 the girls that do the pageants all the time, <laughs> what is the thing they say they want most? World peace. Okay. Good can answer that everybody said for the past thousand years. But anyway, everybody wants peace. But they want real peace. True peace, not the peace that's temporary the world can try to falsely give you. They want peace that lasts and it's real. And if they're honest, they want this type of peace that the Bible says passes all understanding. You can be going through some horrendous moments of life and yet you can sit down and pill your head at night in peace. That passes understanding, that passes human knowledge, that passes our human logic and thinking. Well, how can it even happen? Well, well it's, it's fruit of the Spirit, you see. It's, it's a supernatural fruit, really. It really is. It's, it's not something we conjure up or we do. No, no, no. This is, this is of the Lord. It's, it's peace. And every human being, I dare say, I would dare say, every human being would desire true peace in a chaotic world in which we live. And when it comes to having peace, listen, it's going to take more than just 
well wishes and good vibes and crossing fingers. I don't really understand where that came from. When people ask, well, just send your well wishes and good vibes my way. I want to do this. Is that what you're asking for? I really don't know what you mean. You know, I, don't know. I don't know what that comes from. <laughs> but, uh, but it's going to take more than that, all right, to find true, true peace. You see, true peace doesn't come from well wishes and good vibes, you know. True peace comes from the God of peace. True peace comes from the Prince of Peace. True peace comes from the presence of God. And I believe as believers, we can have that as we walk in the Spirit. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter the days ahead that you may face, you can still have the peace of God that passes all understanding in your hearts and minds. You can have it. I believe it. I've seen it in people's lives. I've seen it on their faces even this week. I've seen it as they face some difficult days, dark days. And yet in their heart, in their mind, they still have peace. Because it's a fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't come from an emotional workup. It doesn't come from what we can do. It comes from God. The peace that passes all understanding. But as believers, I, I do think there are some, some actual, intentional, even spiritual steps, again, walking in the Spirit, that we can take to see and have and experience. I guess I should, could, could say it that way or but have that peace. You see, in Philippians chapter number 4, we, we referenced that last um, Wednesday as we considered the uh, joy, right? When Paul said in verse number, oh goodness, verse number 4, I believe it was, to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice, right? We, we know that verse, and uh, most, most of you have it memorized and can quote it. Uh, but you'll find this verse in the context of verse number 4 and verse number Verse number 7, it talks about this, the peace of God, that's all understanding. But it's coupled with that verse. It's coupled with that verse in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 4 when it says rejoice in the Lord always. So here, here's, here's one way I believe that will help usher us to have that peace in the heart. Here it is, number one, through worship. Through worship. Now, as you consider the historical context of the book of Philippians, when Paul tells him to rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, it really sounds like a crazy thought because of the difficult days these believers were facing. But Paul, knowing full well what they were facing, because remember he was writing from prison, knowing full well what they were facing, still sits down and writes to these battered and very persecuted believers and says rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice and a couple of verses later, it says, in the peace of God, that passes all understanding. You see, you can't separate all that from one another. I think, it's, I think it's together. I think it's coupled together. You can't separate that. Paul is not, listen, Paul's not telling them, by the way, he's not telling them something they cannot do. Because if, if they can do this, then listen, we can as well, even when we find ourselves in difficult, dark, dark days. But we can only worship. And praise and rejoice when, listen, when we get our minds and our eyes off of the circumstances that surround us on the Christ that lives 
within us. We talked about that a little bit last time, so I'm not going to belabor that point, but just get your eyes off of those things. And get your eyes on the Lord, and you'll begin to find yourself doing this, worshiping, praising the Lord, fellowshipping with God. You'll find yourself doing that. Did you you know that over 250 times in the Bible, it commands us to praise the Lord? Commands us. And in many instances, when you read the context of these verses, of those verses, um, the context surrounding those, I don't think I would feel like praising the Lord, especially when you look in the, in the book of Psalms when David's writing. Let me read a few of those for you. In Psalm 7, verse 17, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and will sing praise in the name of the Lord most high. Psalm 107, verse 8, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. After that, I believe it was at that moment that David was on a run again from from Saul. But especially in the context of Doeg. Doeg was a horrible man who who got Saul in a lot of trouble and Saul had to go on the run for his life. But in the midst of that running in dark days, he said those words, Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Psalm 109, verse 30, I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yea, I will praise him among the multitude. Psalm 22, verse 3, but thou art holy. O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Look, God, I believe God inhabits, comes close to, dwells in the praises of his people. Even if you don't feel like it, praise him. Listen, if you wait till you feel like praising the Lord, you may be waiting a little while because we don't always feel like it. We don't always feel like it. Can I ask you a question? Do you always feel like saying amen or thank you, Lord, or praise? Do you, does everybody always feel like it? Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not alone. We don't. Yet we should. We should worship the Lord because when you do, when you begin to get your eyes on the Lord and begin to praise the Lord and thank God for this and thank God for that and just praise the Lord, it gets your eyes off of this chaotic world and the circumstances that surround it and your eyes on the Lord and guess what begins to happen? Peace will begin to flood your heart and mind because your eyes are fixed, remember, on the God of peace because that's where it's found, on the Prince of Peace. That's where it's found. It's found in Him. All right, so how can we find that peace? What can help us get into God's presence to get that, find that peace? Well, you begin to worship the Lord. You'll soon find yourself in the presence of the Lord, conscious presence of God. What else can help us? All right, here's one, praying. <laughs> Again, in the context where it says the peace of God that passes all understanding in Philippians 4, 7, you find this verse right before it in verse number 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, you will notice there are three, if I can say it this way, ingredients to Paul's uh, prayer here that ushers him into the conscience presence of the Lord where he finds the peace that passes all understanding. But there's three ingredients here. And the first one is this. He says this word, prayer. Now, this is just more than just asking. Uh, this word goes along the lines of adoration. It carries the, the idea of devotion and worship. Again, it kind of goes along the lines of praising the Lord, but in this moment of, of prayer. And when you come into the throne room of grace and you understand the greatness and majesty of God, listen, you can't help but worship in prayer and give Him adoration due 
do his name. I think too often we rush into the presence of God in prayer so quickly and we tell him our needs and we just rush out like a laundry list of things, of things to do. Listen, my mind works that way. My mind works in lists. It does. If you go to my desk right now, you'll find sticky notes all over it with a list of stuff need to get done, things to coming up. If you were to take my notes from which I preach from, you'll find bullet points after bullet point. Why? That's how my mind works. It just works in lists. But too often, that's what we do. We, we bring our list to God and, Lord, do this for me. Thank you. Amen. And rush out. But we need to spend time with the Lord because when you do, spending time understanding the greatness of your God, it will lead you to a moment of worship. And the peace of God, again, that passes all understanding, you'll find it so true in that moment and so real in that moment. So take your time. Don't be in a hurry. Come before Him with great reverence and give Him adoration to His name. Then we see prayer. Not only that, we see supplications in that verse. Now, supplication. What, what exactly is supplications? Well, uh, this is an earnest sharing of our needs and problems. It could be some of that list that we, that we have, right? We know, we know that. It can be. Now, we know that God knows our needs before we even ask. And, and, and I'm thankful that He knows. I'm thankful that He does. Matthew 6, 8, For your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask Him. But yet supplications is still written here. So that tells me he still wants us to ask. He still wants us to come to him. He still wants to hear our voice. He still wants us to come to him as our good father and like we are his children, all right? But the supplication, it does go just a little beyond just the simple request or just the simple ask. It carries with it a more sincere and full-hearted request. You see, in supplication, there is an intensity. There is a spiritual intensity to this type of um, asking or this type of praying. I picture it like this. I picture it when, like this. When Jesus was praying in the garden, he was praying very intently and with intensity. You can find that in Matthew 26, verse 36 through 46. All right? I encourage you to read it. But for time's sake, we won't. But the writer of Hebrews, he, I think he had that in mind when he said this in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 7. Speaking of Jesus, who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers, that's the, that's the intently part, the intentional part, when he said, Father, let this, pass, this cup pass from me, nevertheless not my will but thine, right? That's the, that's the prayers part and this, and supplication. Prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears. That's the intense part. Unto him that was able to save him from, from death and was heard and that he feared. Look, all I'm trying to say is this. When we come to God in prayer, there is no room. Listen, there really is no room for half-hearted praying. Really isn't. And we come to the Lord in our prayer closet, taking that time to get in his presence Yes, he does want to hear your concerns and our needs, and he knows our needs before we ask him, but don't do it half-heartedly. Come to God intently, and yes, intensely, because Jesus did. He did so with strong crying and tears, and sometimes, listen, I've had times in my life when I've come to God in prayer and could not utter a word. Just let the tears flow, and that be my prayers. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. I've had those moments, even recently, I'm telling you. 
And God knows the, the groanings that cannot be uttered. He, he knows that. And the Holy Spirit interprets those, takes those to the throne. There's great intensity there. That's supplication. And then we see another one. We see thanksgiving. You see, when it comes to prayer, we're eager to ask, but listen, many times we're slow to appreciate. As God's people, we should be thankful people. And again, this may sound crazy coming from the pen of Paul, especially when you consider the context of Philippians chapter 4 and verse number, verse number 6, right? Because Paul is writing, he's writing about the, uh, or during the times of great trouble, but he's not saying you have to be thankful for the troubles, but he is saying we can be thankful while even we are in them. How, though? Come on, man. That sounds crazy. That's level 50 Christian stuff right there, right? I mean, what does that even mean? Here it is again. When you get your eyes off the things around you and your eyes onto the Lord, the author and finisher of our faith, eyes off of self and onto the Savior, you will find something every time to be thankful for. Every time. Listen, there's no one else in the world that has more reasons to be thankful than a born-again believer. We should be the most thankful people in all the world for what Jesus, Jesus has done. Being saved, washing our sin away, giving us a home one day to be with Him forever in heaven, giving us hope, giving us grace, giving us mercy. Listen, we should be the most thankful people in all the world. If you're finding something very hard to be thankful for today, then just look to Jesus. and You'll find something very quickly to be thankful for. So, do just that. Look to Jesus and you will find something to be thankful for. And listen to this. Thankfulness, it will bring you into the conscious presence of God. Listen to this verse. Psalm 95, verse 2, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. It'll bring you there. Being a thankful person will bring you there because you're thanking on the Lord. It calls you to be thankful. The peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's real. It's real. Let me uh, draw this to a conclusion, all right? Because here's what I'm really trying to get to and trying to say. That all of this, the worship, the praying, the praising, it just brings you to that presence of God. Now, we know that God is always with us. I don't want to sound heretical, all right? I know that. God is always with us. He will never leave us nor, nor forsake us. Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and let us be content with such things as we have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So we know God is always with us, yet we don't always live as if he is always with us. But when you begin to praise and begin to pray, your minds will be fixated on the Lord. Your heart will be elevated to Different dimension, if I can say it that way, but you know what I'm saying. It'll be moved to the Lord, be pointed heavenward. You see, when we get our hearts and minds, when we get our hearts and minds on the God of peace, 
It is then we can find the peace of God in our hearts and minds. Let me say it again. When we get our hearts and minds on the God of peace, it is then we will find the peace of God in our hearts and minds. Because listen, the peace, it's real peace, true, real peace is an element, it's a fruit of the Spirit. And you and I will find it and we will experience it and we will enjoy it so much as we walk in the Spirit. Not something we conjure up in our flesh, but as we walk in the Spirit and live in the presence of God. So I encourage you this evening, let worship and prayer lead you there, all right? The peace of God that passes all understanding. And keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It's real. It's real. I dare say just about everybody in here has probably, probably experienced that and enjoyed it. You know it's real. There's others, there's others who have never experienced it because they don't know Christ. So I encourage you to tell someone about the Lord so they can have it. So they too can walk in the Spirit and have it regularly, the peace of God.